confidence because well you folks have been preaching my message all morning so I have got a confirmation from the Lord that uh, what God gave to me was for this morning so I want you to listen as you always do you're such a good group of people to listen carefully because today I believe God wants to do a miracle so just allow God to have his way in your life. It could be a spiritual miracle, physical miracle, financial miracle, but whatever it is, we'll take it, right? Praise God. So let's give God the praise, and I'm going to turn to the Word of God without any further ado. We're going to the book of Matthew, chapter 16 and verse 18, and then I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 1, a little bit lengthier passage in chapter 1, but you can do this. By the way, thank you. Some of you, I didn't know the name, but I'm so glad to see you here. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. And, and Misty's been bringing, uh, is that your, is that, who is that? I know her name, but what's, what is she related to you? Is she related to you? That's your sister? And the gentleman, i sorry, I can't remember your name, but they have been coming now for at least three or four weeks, and I am so thankful that you folks have been coming. I'd love to be able to speak to you after the service if you have time. All right, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. So good to see you. Amen. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then I'd like for you to be patient with me as I read a few more verses from Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, and unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed the garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me and saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. And I'm going to preach to you Something that's going to go right along with what Brother Michael said and what Brother Druin just testified for Sister Druin. These testimonies have all been gun barrel straight with what God gave me to speak. I will preach to you for a few moments with your help on this subject. The church, God's gift to you. So we praise God in Jesus' name and you may be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, called the Lord's Day. Why? Because it was the day that Jesus arose from the grave. 
on the first day of the week. And from Christ's resurrection until now, the first day of the week has from then on become known as the Lord's Day. The church gathered then, the church gathers now to worship the Lord on the Lord's Day. It's something that started right after the resurrection and continues to this very day. So on the Lord's Day, John heard a trumpet-like voice behind him. And the voice said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning, uh, uh, first and last. And what thou seest, write in the book, send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Verse 12, and I turned, he said, I had to see this voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. That voice, John was saying, I know that voice. I recognize that voice. He said, I turned to see the voice. I whirled around to see the voice that spoke with me. Ladies and gentlemen, as far as we know, the Apostle John had not heard that voice for 60 years. John is an older man now. It's been approximately 60 years since he heard the voice of Jesus teaching on the shores of Galilee and on the Mount of Ascension. 60 years have gone by, but if you've ever heard that voice, if you've ever heard that voice, it's been 60 years, he said, since I heard that voice, but I recognize the voice. And even if you're in the midst of a fiery trial or you're walking in the valley of the shadow of death, that voice will turn you around. That voice will give you strength. That voice will give you instruction. That voice will take away your fears. The devil hates that voice, but the saved love the voice of God. And John whirled around to see the voice because he knew that voice. And he whirls around and he looks and he said, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. When John turned to see and welcome that voice back into his life, he saw seven golden candlesticks. And it's very important that you understand why when John looked for the voice of Jesus, he was shown seven golden candlesticks. For Revelation chapter 1 verse 20 explains the secret of the golden candlesticks and tells us that they represent the church, which is the light of the world. This agrees with what Jesus said in the gospel according to Matthew. In Matthew 5 and 14, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hid. Seven golden candlesticks. Seven, God's number of perfection. Golden because the church has been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and made as pure gold. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, in the midst of that glorious church, he said, I saw him. I saw one like unto the Son of Man. John was so eager to see the voice to hear the voice of his beloved Christ. And when he looked, he testified. He said, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in square in the middle of those seven golden candlesticks, I saw him. I saw one like unto the Son of Man. Our Lord Jesus was revealing to John and to all of us and anyone who cares to know that day that after he had completed his earthly ministry, after Christ had completed his earthly ministry, after he had ascended back on high, that God's voice in the New Testament would be revealed through the seven golden candlesticks. It would be revealed through the church. It would be revealed through the church. And God himself, the beloved Savior, would dwell in the midst of our smack dab in the middle of the church. I'm appalled and alarmed at the lack of understanding and the lack of importance that people now place on 
church. I'm appalled when I see what the devil has done to make people think that everybody can just do their own thing and there doesn't need to be a church when the Word of God is very explicit telling us that the Son of Man dwells in the midst of the church. That the voice that John heard came from the seven golden candlesticks. It came from the church. The word of God says, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by the wisdom of, uh, uh, by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by what? The foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. See, the New Testament, God has set in stone. And the New Testament is uh, the fact uh, that God has placed an ecclesia. He has placed a church in the world. And God said, when you want me, I will be dwelling in the midst. I'll be dwelling in the middle of the church. He says, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a preacher get up and preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Well, I'm in the Holy Ghost today, and if you listen, you're going to get something. If you don't, you're still going to get something. It won't be what I give you, though. Listen, when the enemy of your soul moves to take you out, I am preaching this morning very direct, very purposefully. When the enemy of your soul decides he's had enough of you and he's going to take you out of the gene pool, when he does, he will always try to separate you from the church. His first mission in order to destroy you will be to separate you from the church. He'll say, oh, you can love God and not be in the church. You can hear the voice of God and not be in the church. You can live a good moral life and still not be in the church. What he's not telling you is, is that the voice of God in the New Testament comes from the church. He lives, Jesus lives in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He, he's living in the, in the middle of the church. So I come to pull the cover off the devil. There's some things the devil knows that you need to know. The devil knows that you need Holy Ghost preaching of the pure word of God to be able to complete your mission. I can't tell you how many times I was going to pull the trigger on something and I walked into the house of God, the preacher opened the Bible, began to preach, and I said, oh boy, guess that wasn't such a good idea after all. Think I'll change direction. Now I got the Holy Ghost when I was nine and I'm none of your business now. But I'll tell you something, every time that God wanted to help me to make a direction change or, or to correct something that was starting to go wrong in my attitude or in my life, God would cause a preacher to walk up and the preacher would take his or her text. And by the time that I got done, tears were flowing down my face and I was running for the altar and I was saying, thank you, God, for loving me enough to speak to me. For God has chosen by the foolishness of preaching. Listen, if you're not where you hear a Holy Ghost inspired, Jesus name apostolic preacher preaching to you on a regular basis, you will end up in the ditch of life. The devil knows you need Holy Ghost anointed preaching. By the way, that's aimed at the heart, not at the head. 
People don't care how smart you are. You're not impressing me. I'm not impressing you with my great knowledge. What touches people is when the Holy Ghost hits you and you're preaching and people feel the presence of God. Holy Ghost preaching is aimed for the heart. Men's philosophy aims for the head and will mess you up. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. It pleased God with the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Somebody said, well, I already got saved. You don't get it, do you? To save them that believe. It's good to get saved, but it's even better to stay saved. Preaching saves them that believe. Come on, we're going to have a good altar call here in a minute. If the devil has his way with you, Understand, I'm telling you as a friend, he has to separate you from the church. Now listen, there will always be a reason, and the reason is never the reason. Well, the preacher walked by and he didn't even shake my hand. Nobody even knows what's going on in my life. Holy Ghost is looking out there right now. To you people online too. What? There's always going to be an offense that will come. And the devil says, "Why well, those people, they offended you. They're not even halfway Christian. Why these people over here, they never even go to church and they're more Christian than those folks are. And he always makes some kind of, of statement like that because he has to separate you from the church. Listen, he works like a pride of lions who separate the fleet-footed gazelle from the herd. And the reason they're separating that gazelle from the rest of the herd is to destroy it. When you start feeling like the Lone Ranger, you better get on your white horse and you better head right on to the church and, and tie him up outside that, whatever that horse was called. Was it Trigger? I think so. What? High old silver, of course. Trigger was Roy Rogers' horse. You and Tonto better get to the house of God. Jump out of the saddle and run to the house of God. Throw your hands up and say, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender my will. I surrender my way. Because here's what the Bible says. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Listen, it is a statistic. It is a true statistic that most accidents happen close to home. And that's true spiritually too. You know when you first got the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't miss church for anything. When you first got filled with the Holy Ghost, it'd take a team of wild horses to keep you out of the house of God. But most accidents don't happen at the beginning of the race. Most accidents happen toward the end of the race. Something begins to happen. We begin to forget the importance of the house of God. We begin to sidestep the importance of the ecclesia, the church of the living God. And the devil begins to say to us, well, you just sit there, turn that little TV on now, and we got a preacher here It's going to come on in your living room, and, and you can just uh, soothe your little conscience and, and sit right here and watch this brother so-and-so from the first church of the Frigidaire. And... You can just sit there and drink your iced tea and tell yourself that that was good enough. 
Now, I'm not talking about people who are staying home because they're fearful of the pandemic, okay? I'm not talking about that. Those people, they're doing the best they can. They're, they're with us online. I'm talking about folks that have forgotten the purpose and the saving strength that God has placed in the church. The devil knows that the promise of prevailing and proving more powerful than all the forces of hell were not made to a lone ranger. Am I in the Bible? The promise of prevailing was made to the church upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. It doesn't mean that you as an individual can just go out all alone and stay all by yourself and you're going to prevail. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That's why you need a church. The devil understands that the Christ of the New Testament resides in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. The New Testament Holy Ghost center of operations in the middle of the New Testament, blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled, Jesus-named, baptized church. Look, if I couldn't go to an apostolic church, I wouldn't go. Now, I hope you don't get up and walk out, because if you do, we'll all know who you are. I'm not going to take my kids to a place where folks don't know the mighty God in Christ. I'm not taking my spouse to a place where nobody knows who Jesus is, that he's not just the Son of God. He's the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I'm not taking my kids where somebody's going to tell them, come on down here. Now you pray with me the sinner's prayer. We're going to confess the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. I believe in confessing Jesus Christ, but it not near stopped there. I believe that the Word of God says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. I don't want my kids getting confused. I don't want them not knowing the plan of salvation. I don't want them not knowing the way of God. I'm taking them to the house of God. I'm going to go to the place that God has given as a gift to me and to my family. And I'm still getting a few amens. Satan knows that the church has been commissioned for preaching, teaching, the gospel for the conversion of sinners, teaching the ways of God. The devil knows the church is where you receive strengthening and edifying. The devil fears the incense of unified prayer. He doesn't like it when people come together and praise ascends from the church to God. The devil hates the church because here the word of the Lord, which lives and abides forever, is preached and taught for the salvation of the perishing. The devil hates the church because here children of sin and sorrow find refuge. The devil despises the church because of our worship of the one true God in song and prayer. The devil hates the church because it's a place where sinners can repent and be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins, receive the Holy Ghost. The devil hates the church for... The fact that the church is sending and supporting missionaries at home and abroad. The devil wants the church to be destroyed. But I got news for you, devil. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The devil hates the church because it's the tool that God uses for the salvation of our children. The devil hates the church because it is a lighthouse that sends out a piercing light for all our prodigal sons and daughters and all who hunger and thirst for God so they can make it back home. And I got to tell you something, no matter what you did yesterday, it's not too late today. Now, I know some of you don't know what I'm about to say because you've never seen one and you never had one, but some of us know what a green persimmon is. And Mainers don't know what a green persimmon is because we don't have persimmons. But as a boy, I remember going up to the persimmon tree and I'm, oh, that looks pretty good. 
I pulled a persimmon off and I bit into that sucker. And that sucker bit into me. It pulled my mouth together like this. My mouth was instantly dry. I needed a drink. And I know this morning that the devil is looking like he just got a bite of a green persimmon because he doesn't want you to realize the importance to you, to your adult children, to your grandchildren, to your brothers and sisters, to anybody who cares to be saved. As we race the rapture, run to the church. Get into the church. Don't worry about the hypocrites. Don't worry about those who are not the real deal. Just get into the church that preaches the message that Peter preached. Make sure when you go to the church that they preach what Peter preached. You know, this apostolic church didn't begin slowly. It roared into life in one single day. In one single day, there were 3,000 converts. Jesus began building his church. It was a God thing. Every one of you who are in this building right now, you're not here because you just randomly selected to be here. I have reason to believe that every one of you are chosen by God. Casual observers may have thought there was no forethought or plan that went into the building of the church. Some dismissed it with a wave of the hand saying, these men are full of new wine. Carnal minds could not comprehend. They were watching God's well-developed and organized plan catapulting his New Testament church into existence before their very eyes. But suddenly, the city of Jerusalem throbbed with Holy Ghost power, and it wasn't long before crippled beggars were being healed. Prayer meetings that began to take place that were so power-packed that the buildings literally shook where they prayed when the city fathers disproved of their preaching, had their leaders jailed. God dispatched angels to free them. Nothing could confine the power of the gospel. It spread like a mighty fire throughout Jerusalem. Jerusalem could not hold it. It blew into Judea, and Judea could not contain it. It leaped over the city walls of Samaria and spread to the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus prophesied, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me tell you just a few things, just a few of the things of the many things I've seen God do in church. There's something that happens when God's people are assembled together. First of all, I've seen many, many people repent of their sins that never would have. I've seen many, many, many people baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins. If you're going to a church where they don't baptize people on a regular basis, don't walk out. Run out! Are you with me? I've seen thousands filled with the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. I've seen many people delivered from depression in the middle of a church service. I've seen frozen shoulders healed in a church service. I've seen backs healed in a church service. I've seen carpal tunnel. These are the things I've seen healed in a church service. Well, the church prayed. A lady came out of her coma at the hospital. I've seen chronic pain healed in a church service. I've seen non-Hodgkin's lymphoma delivered and the woman was set free and completely healed in a moment of time, in a split second. And she went home healed, went to her doctors and her doctors said, there's been a miracle. We can't explain it, but I saw it while the church was gathered together. I've seen arthritis taken during a time of the people of God being together. I've seen a blinded eye opened on more than one 
on occasion during a church service. I've seen a deaf ear unstopped in a church service. I saw a lady with arthritis in her hands and arms instantly healed during church service. I watched God give a man a new set of knees in a church service. I saw a man who had a fist-sized hernia that simply disappeared in the church service. I saw an Indian man in Newfoundland whose back pain was so bad that before church that night, he was crawling around the house because he couldn't stand. But during that service tonight, he was healed instantly and completely. I saw, I saw a pastor's daughter from Utica, New York, who had been in a car accident nine years prior. And in that church service, I watched God heal her from chronic pain. For nine years, she had been in chronic pain. And in one millisecond, I watched that young lady be healed. I saw a lady in Perth, Andover, who has suffered from fibromyalgia for 10 years. And in that church service, in one instant, I saw her healed. A lady who had an inner ear balance problem, I saw her healed. Some of you know Pastor Decker. He, he pastors in Juniper, New Brunswick. Well, one night I was preaching in Taymouth, New Brunswick, which is just a, a little tiny town not too far from Fredericton. Pastor Decker was in that service that night, and the Lord opened his eyes, and he told me that he saw 30 angels who were assembled on the platform beside me while I was speaking. And as I commanded Satan to leave, he said most of these angels, which he said were in some type of military uniforms, left the platform, lined the sides of the sanctuary, someone outside guarding the people and the building. I can't explain to you how beautiful the presence of God is and how powerful God has empowered the church. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the ecclesia. I'm talking about the called out ones. When they come together in spirit and truth, the devil has to separate you from the church before he can take you out. Lisa Larios was diagnosed with cancer. She had cancer of the hip, and she was only 12. It had gotten to the point where she was unable to walk unaided. Her family decided chemotherapy was too traumatic and called it off after one dose. The family was not a religious family. And a family friend invited the family to church. This Christian friend fasted and prayed for a week before that service. During the service, Lisa began to feel a warm feeling in her stomach. And the preacher said, someone in her section, someone sitting in her section of the auditorium, he said these words, was being healed of cancer and should stand up. Lisa, against her mother's wishes, stood up and was able to walk without pain for the first time since the problem had appeared. Lisa was x-rayed several times after that, and it became clear that something strange indeed had occurred. Further x-rays were taken and reviewed by several doctors, and these showed that Lisa's hip had been fully restored and the cancer was completely gone. Three weeks ago, three weeks ago, Brother Robert Fritchie, one of our United Pentecostal Church ministers in Mount Airy, North Carolina, three weeks ago, he was told he would have to have a heart transplant. And then two weeks ago, they let him down hard. They told him he was not eligible for the transplant because of sugar diabetes. So they sent him home to die. He was so weak, 
He said that his wife had to dress him. His wife had to bathe him. He could not even go to the restroom without assistance. There was nothing that could be done. But last Sunday, September the 20th, one week ago today, Brother Fritzy said, if I could just get to the house of God. If I could just get to where those people are praising God and praying. If I could just get to where they are worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. And he somehow he got to the United Pentecostal Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. And ladies and gentlemen, one week ago today, God gave him a new heart. He said, I wanted to be careful before I said anything. I wanted to be sure that I wasn't just imagining it. So Monday, he went, last Monday, he went to his primary care physician. She checked him out or he checked him out and the doctor looked at him and said, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. But he wanted to be sure. So Thursday, he went to his cardiologist this last Thursday. And the cardiologist checked him over and said, there has been some kind of a divine intervention here. This can't be, except there is a divine miracle. You, you have had a, a divine intervention, and he has been sent home. And now today, he's in the house of God in Mount Airy, North Carolina, worshiping God with a new heart. Now, do you know why the devil hates the church? Just about every one of these miracles, if not every one of them, happened while the people of God were sitting together, worshiping and praising God, while the preaching of the word was going forth. Let me tell you something else I've seen. I've seen God raise the dead in this building. I know my preaching can be long, I am told, by my grandson Garrett. And evidently it's true because the lady died. And I remember walking down, and most of you didn't even know what was going on. But I walked down the aisle, and she was sitting about three-quarters of the way back on this side. Our nurses, many of them had gathered around her. The doctor said, there's no pulse. But I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, arise. And that woman's eyes blinked open. And she took a gulp of breath. And she's still living today and worshiping and praising God. Can you begin to understand why the devil wants to separate you from the church? Because God has said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to dwell in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks where two or three are gathered together in my name. There shall I be in the midst of them. And when the church comes together, I will be there. I'll be in the middle of it. I'm going to do signs and wonders and miracles. And I promise you, I'm building this church and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. So the devil will come up with all kinds of ingenious ways to separate you from the church. Because as pure and holy and sweet as you are, without the church, you still won't make it. Why is that, Pastor? Because God is chosen by the foolishness of preaching. It's his choice to save them that believe. And now I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I'm in the Word of God there's been two testimonies that have confirmed what I was going to preach about. And I'm here right now and asking you to bow your head. I don't know where we're going to go exactly. I'll just leave that to God. But there's a miracle in the house right now. 
There's a miracle in the house right now. I declare it in the name of Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ himself is walking up and down in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He's right here in the middle of the church, right smack dab in the middle. Whatever you need, he is able to do. Whatever you need, he is able to supply. Whatever it is that is your situation, our God is able. I know, I know that some of you have been discouraged. I know that some of you have been going through the trial of your life. I know that some of you, the devil's been working overtime to estrange you from the church. But today, I'm pulling the cover off of what the devil's trying to do and making you to understand the importance of a truth-preaching church. For you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I don't know about you. I don't want to be partially free. I don't want to be part free and part bound. I want to go. We're going to preach the whole counsel of God. I want to hear the preacher get up. I want to hear him fire up. I want to see him preach like a man's fighting a hive of bees. I want him to get anointed by God. And I want God to do the things that he did all down through the history of the church. Hey, folks, God has not taken a malnutrition church in the rapture. This church is going up with power and with authority. The closer you get to the church, the closer you get to God because God dwells in the middle of the church. I feel like this message is of great importance to someone sitting before me. I did not plan this message for any particular individual, yet I know now that God is speaking to a particular individual in this place right now. And God has shown by a couple of testimonies that this was the subject for today. Now every head's bowed and every eye's closed. What are you going to do with the word that God has just sent to you. Will you receive it? Will you reject it? Will you receive God's word? I say, yes, I do need the church. Never realized it like that before, but God spoke to my heart today, and I need the church. I guess now I understand why the devil was trying to estrange me from the church. He was trying to cut me away from the flock like a pride of lions will separate a fleet-footed gazelle. And you know what? I'm going to be healthy from now on because I will be in the church every time I can possibly be there. I'm going to be in the assembly of the firstborn. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Father. I believe God. It is not some hocus-pocus magic that some particular person has, and that's why you're healed, it's because Christ is in the middle of the church. I'm going to ask you if you would receive this message, would you rise to your feet? If you would receive this message, I want you to rise to your feet. Sincerely now. Now, let's lift our hands to God and let's see the miracle that God wants to do in this house today. Lift your hands to the Lord. There will be miracles that will begin to take place right now. I can't make it happen, but God does, and, and he's here right now. God's going to work on somebody's spiritual heart right now and their physical heart. God is changing your thinking. He's a neurosurgeon. And if you will allow God and you will surrender to God, you could have a beautiful future from this day forward. But I promise you, it will be predicated upon your surrender to God. I love you, Jesus. 
Would you mind if I just sing a song while I'm just waiting on the Lord? Don't you get in a hurry now. It's not anywhere near time to stop yet. We're, we're getting there, though. We're almost done. There's a lighthouse on the hillside that overlooks life's sea. When I'm tossed, he sends out a light that I might see. And the light that shines in darkness now will safely lead me on if it wasn't for this lighthouse my ship would sail no more everybody that lives around us says tear the old lighthouse down the big ships they don't pass this way anymore no use at standing round but my mind goes back to a stormy night when just in time I saw the light was a light from that old lighthouse standing there on the hill and I thank God for the lighthouse I owe my life to him Jesus is the lighthouse and from the rocks of sin he has shown his love all around me so that I can clearly see if it were not for the lighthouse where would this ship God is talking to somebody. If you want to slip down to the front, you can stand at the front this morning. Don't leave the lighthouse, my friend. Don't turn the light out. Everybody that lives around us, they said, preacher, tear that old lighthouse down. The big ships, they don't sail this way anymore. No need it standing round. But my mind goes back to that stormy night when just in time I saw the light. It was a light from that old lighthouse standing there the hill and I thank God for the lighthouse I owe my life to him for Jesus is the lighthouse and from the rocks of sin he has shown his light all around me so that I can clearly see 
If it were not for the lighthouse, tell me where would this ship be? If you have a physical need of healing right now, would you lift your hand? Because why would God give us a message like this if he wasn't going to heal you? Father, in the mighty name of Jesus right now, let healing flow into each and every body. Lord, let that warm healing power of the Lord flow down. There's a Lord, let it start at the top of their head, go down to their hands, into their shoulders and arms and torso, legs and feet. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, let the healing power of the Lord manifest itself now. Let somebody right now be delivered from cancer. In the name of Jesus, did it for Brother Fritchie. You gave him a new heart last Sunday. God, give somebody a new heart this Sunday. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, touch somebody's lungs. Heal the lungs today. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, take depression away. I command it to go. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, I thank you for the lighthouse. You can turn that up a little bit. I thank you, Lord God, for the lighthouse. I feel the presence of God. Does anybody want to receive the Holy Ghost? This is the day to receive the Holy Ghost. Lift your hands and, and praise the Lord. I love you, Jesus. The Holy Ghost is good. It's the Spirit of Jesus. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You can't come to God partially. You either have to come to Him wholeheartedly or not come at all. But if you'll come with all of your heart, God will do a miracle. Glory! I feel the presence of Jesus. Church, would you lift up your voices right now? And would you praise the Lord for what he's doing right now? Father, I give you praise. I give you praise, Jesus. I thank you for this lighthouse. I owe my life to you, Lord. Hallelujah. I give you praise, Jesus. From the rocks of sin, oh, he has shown his light around. Hallelujah! So that I can clearly see if it were not for that lighthouse. Tell me where this ship ship. Trust the power of your 